We are joined by Moshe Hill, political writer who's been published in the Daily Wire, has a column in the Queen's Jewish Link, and you can read Moshe's blog at ahillwithaview.com. Moshe, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Nancy Pelosi is under enormous pressure to impeach President Trump, obviously. Do you think Nancy Pelosi wants to impeach? Uh, What she wants and what she's going to do are two very different things. I think that she definitely wants to. She obviously very much dislikes President Trump personally and politically, uh, but she knows she's very politically savvy as well. So I think that she knows that that if the Democrats move forward with impeachment now, it basically wins Trump 2020. You're right. As far as your analysis, you're spot on that that ensures a win for him in 2020. But do you think she's going to eventually buckle under the pressure? Uh, I do not think she's going to buckle under the pressure. I think she has an iron grip on that caucus. Um, I think that as long as she has the new fresh faces of the Democratic Party, the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's, the Ilhan Omar's, the Rashida Tlaib's, as long as she, they don't cause too much, as long as she doesn't follow them particularly, because I know they're calling for impeachment, but they're in very deep blue districts, all of them. They have no, even, she even said herself, Pelosi said herself, that a glass of water with a D next to, her, next to uh, his <laughs> yeah. name uh, would, would win in Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's district. So, and so I think that Pelosi is thinking about all the purple districts um, around the country. And they're thinking about the blue districts, but I think that's so in front of the cameras, these three and the deep blue district uh, Democrats can scream about impeachment. But as long as she holds on to her iron grip behind closed doors, I don't think that uh, they're going to go forward for it. But they're going to bluster about it for the next year. And since you brought them up, this new radical younger wing of the party, Ocasio-Cortez, Rashida Tlaib, Elon Omar, the media gives them a disproportionate amount of attention, you know, when you consider that they still are a minority of the party, you would think they're high, almost running the party. And what you wonder is, you know, do they represent typical Democrat voters in middle America? Oh, absolutely not. They, they are definitely uh, fringe voices that are becoming more mainstream, but they're being pushed by the media, who, by the way, my favorite thing is when they say, well, they wouldn't be as big if the Republicans didn't react to them. That is ridiculous, okay? The, they were on, I was starting to cover Ilhan Omar uh, well before she became a congresswoman. She was already, when she won the, uh, the state seat, uh, state assembly seat back uh, a couple of years ago, um, she, I already was looking in Minnesota. Said, Wait, hold on. In Minnesota, thank you. Um, in Minnesota, I said that's when I first saw the Israel as in the world. That that is a 2012 tweet. That is not that did not come out recently. And so she's been with this for years and years and years. Now she was on the cover of a Time Magazine special issue, women uh, women issue with their. I kid you not, the people on that magazine cover were Oprah Winfrey. Hillary Clinton, Ellen DeGeneres, and Ilhan Omar, and I think like two other people. I think it was, uh, but that is who the media put her up with, which are those are big names in media, in politics, and that is where they put Ilhan Omar on the cover of that special issue. That was in March of 2018, I believe. Now, this is not Republicans and the conservative media 
reacting to these people. They have been, the liberal media pushes these people consistently. They want them to be the mainstream of the party. I think in a lot of ways, they're becoming the mainstream of the Democratic Party. And it's a very dangerous thing for, uh, especially in terms of a lot of things that should be bipartisan. And you look at we, the comments, of course, we know Elon Omar's infamous comments about 9-11, but as you say, long before that, her egregious comments about Israel, Rashida Tlaib, even Ocasio-Cortez, despite having no knowledge whatsoever about Middle East politics, she called Israelis occupiers, and yet they're sort of mm-hmm. hijacking the party. And you wonder, because so many Jews not in the non-from world still continue to vote Democrat. Yeah, it is incredible. Um, I think that there is definitely a shift, definitely by polling data, there's a shift when you are affiliated with Judaism, when you, uh, and, and they even show uh, how affiliated with Judaism. You know, you go to, uh, you only have a fast on Yom Kippur, or you only have a Pesach Seder, or you only, um, or you go to shul every, or every week. Um, and I think that it is a, uh, a major shift in where your voting patterns lie. So I think it's uh, like 90% vote Democrat overall, but when it comes to religious Jews, it goes, it goes all the way up to 75%. So it definitely changes. Um, and I think that that is something that we as religious Jews can tell people who, because everyone has unaffiliated Jews in their, in their uh, family. Like un- it's unfortunate, but it's true. But I think that there are a lot, a lot of things that, that we could find common ground on. And you could say, hey, you may not agree with certain economic policies, but can you, uh, of the Republican Party, but can you really um, follow a party that's calling for BDS? It's calling, that's giving um, uh, a moral equivalency between Israel and Hamas. I mean, that's something I think that Jews should really be hammering home. Yeah, it's astonishing to me. All right, let's talk about the Democrat primaries. Joe Biden, clearly right now, if you look at the polls, is the front runner. And there does seem to be this debate. Some people feel that it has to do with name recognition and the fact that he's been viewed as the leader. He's The other thing, Joe Biden, that separates him from the pack is that he is somewhat more moderate. Now, it's not hard. I mean, you could pretty much almost be a socialist and be more moderate than some of these Democrat candidates. And do you have any thoughts on, you know, Joe Biden and what his chances are here moving forward? Well, Joe Biden is um, viewed as a, as a moderate, but he is definitely not moderate. I mean, this is a guy who um, was in the Obama administration that is not a moderate administration, even though in, uh, in hindsight it may seem moderate because of how crazy left-wing the, the party has gone. But Joe Biden's a guy who said to a group of uh, uh, of black voters that Mitt Romney was going to put them b- back in change. Mitt Romney is the that's he, right. He he is he is like the nicest guy in politics. I mean, I disagree with him a lot, especially when it comes to Trump. I think he is a much more comfortable attacking the right than it is attacking the left. But I think that if you're he says you're going to put uh, people back in change, he just said a couple of weeks ago that uh, Republicans are bringing back the era of Jim Crow, kind of forgetting the fact that Jim Crow was a Democrat, <laughs> that Jim Crow <laughs> is a Democrat, which is incredible. It's just incredible that you can get away with that. Um, and I think that Joe Biden shares a lot, of the, uh, a lot of the policies, but he puts on a friendly face. I mean, that's the way it is. But I don't think that uh, people should be tricked by the fact that Joe Biden is a moderate. I don't think he's a moderate. 
And I'm glad you brought up that attack against Mitt Romney telling black people he'd put them back in chains because there's this myth out there being perpetrated by the media and even by some Republicans that G George Bush, Mitt Romney, you know, the people who are the alternative to Trump, the more gentle, kinder, nicer, more positive, not the vulgar tweeters like President Trump, that somehow the media embraced them, somehow the Democrats looked at them with respect and it's a Trump thing that the media is so negative and so brutal. And it's really, it's such a revision of history because like you said, Mitt Romney brutally attacked George Bush. I mean, they basically called George Bush a war criminal interrogation, saying that he went into war with Iraq, you know, over oil. And yet Bush and Romney have sort of been enemies of President Trump. I'm digressing here for a moment. And they literally got victimized the exact same way. And yet then they turn on Trump. Yeah, I do find that odd, but I also think that they um, want to appeal to a certain level of intelligentsia, uh, a certain level of coastal elites uh, in the media, that they want, they want to be the, um, the, the, the Republican that can be talked to. And they don't like the fact that Trump comes in in his, you know, uh, chest puffed out kind of way, bull in a China shop uh, uh, mentality. And and they think that that is destroying uh, the way where people look at the Republicans and conservatives. And by the way, too, it, it's unfortunate, but I, I think uh, younger millennials also dislike that. The, and the older people uh, like the, the Trump mentality but, uh, and the way he punches and that, because they've, they've had decades of this. The older conservatives, older Republicans have had decades of, of the media, the Democrats calling any person with an R next to his name a racist, a, a bigot, and all that kind of stuff. And so they like the fact that Trump is punching back. But the younger ones, they don't have the experience of what happened to George W. Bush, what happened to, uh, to Mitt Romney, what happened to John McCain. They don't really know what's going on. So they look at Trump and they say, what are you doing? But, and I think that uh, it is interesting, like you said, that, that you know, Bush and McCain, they also uh, are, are not siding with Trump and saying, hey, yes, we, it, we got punched around. Thank you for punching back. Excellent point. Let's get back to Biden for a moment, because as you say, he's a lot more radical leftist than the media would have you believe. And yes, he's Obama's VP. That's his legacy. So you look at Obamacare, which was an extremely radical piece of legislation. You look at the way Obama dealt with radical Islam. He essentially allowed ISIS to be created. Of course, the very weak nuclear deal with Iran, uh, the environmental restrictions, which really crushed a lot of businesses. So that is Biden's legacy. And you're right, that was very radical four years ago. And yet now the Democrat Party has gone so far left that suddenly Obama looks like a moderate. It is incredible. Um, I think that the, especially when it comes to like the regulations during the Obama administration, the, the environmental regulations, the business regulations, and that really just put a uh, a foot on the throat of the economy that were, that were relieved when Trump basically, uh, I think, is, I don't know if it's still the, the statistic, but he was removing every, like 16 regulations for every regulation he put in, something like that. But yeah, I mean, that just let businesses breathe, which is an incredible thing. But that is not moderate behavior. That is radical behavior. And Biden was there the entire time. And now it's considered moderate behavior to, to, do intense regulations on business and not just intense regulations. The mainstream democratic position is we must take over, government must take over industries. 
They must take over the insurance industry. They must take over what they call the oil industry. They want to take over every industry at this point. It's funny because Ocasio-Cortez last week attacked Joe Biden's environmental plan as being middle of the road. We don't want the middle of the road. And Biden got extremely defensive. No, no, no. I'm not middle of the road. You're almost pandering to this you know, 29-year-old former bartender Ocasio-Cortez. Yeah, well, she's the boss. She, <laughs> that, that, that is literally how they're behaving. Uh, do you think that Bernie Sanders has any chance of winning the nomination? You know what? If you asked me a month ago, I would have said yes. But now he's, uh, he's starting to fade away because I think um, a lot of people are trying to run on his left. And there are maybe people who, who could be a little better than that. And then he has a lot of competition uh, in, on his right in terms of Joe Biden. So, it's, so now he just seems like uh, another old white guy, um, which, you know, he's going to have a certain level of Democratic socialists who will vote for him. So I think his floor is higher than a lot of other people's. But I think his, uh, his feeling is, isn't going to get him there. Let's uh, shift gears here. Let's talk about Iran. And obviously, the tension has been escalating. And really, that's a result of you know, President Trump's very, very tough sanctions, which are really, really crushing Iran's economy. But they've been threatening conflict. And what I find pretty incredible is that you know, the media has given the Iranians this forum to somehow blame President Trump. And he actually had John Brennan say that President Trump was beating the drums of war and somehow he was the one who has been inciting Iran to respond in self-defense. And the media is feeding into this narrative. Somehow Iran is the good guys. They're the victims and President Trump is the bad guy. Yeah, they've been pushing this for years. This is what was going on leading up to the Iran deal, the, the, the JCPOA, uh, that they were just saying, well, it's either uh, this deal or war. And there is, that is not true, okay? There is a lot of middle ground between full-out war and making a deal with a, uh, a terrorist state that, is, that has ambitions for nuclear power. They, there is a lot of middle ground there. But you, at the same time, you can't say war is off the table. That's not a position of strength. You cannot negotiate with bad actors in, by saying war is off the table. And Trump is the kind of guy who says nothing is off the table. And the media say, well, that means he wants to go to war. That doesn't mean he wants to go to war. Trump has been saying, saying for months he wants to pull out of Syria. He campaigned against the Iraq war. There was a Republican in 2016 who won the presidency campaigning against the Iraq war. That way, 10 years ago, that would be insanity. And now it's, it's a reality. So you think that he wants to send troops to, to Iran? I don't think so. But he, what he wants to do is he wants to negotiate from a position of strength. That is Trump's negotiating tactic. And the media just twists it into, and it is, it's ridiculous that they're siding with Iran on this. I don't, I, I don't know if they're willfully ignorant or they're just trying to ignore the incredible human rights violations and terrorism that Iran has every single day. The Iranians are an enemy of President Trump. Your enemy's enemy is your friend. So the media, they literally are sympathetic to Iran because they share that common bond. But as you said, you know, would you potentially view the military option on the table? Is regime change an option? They'll ask John Bolton. And John Bolton will say, all options are on the table. And suddenly, as you said, the media has their soundbite. They have their headline. Bolton says the military option is on the table. They literally make it sound as though the missiles are headed to Tehran because Bolton's not going to get up on TV and say, 
you know what? We're not going to invade Iran. The moment that you say that, and you're right, it's not even true because they should invade Iran if that if it comes to that. But the moment they say what the media wants them to say, oh, regime change, that's really last ditch effort. That's that, 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 that's really not on the table. Then suddenly you gave Iran this enormous amount of leverage. So they can't win. What, whichever way they go, the media is going to attack them. Absolutely. That's just their job. Their job is to attack. And by the way, it's very funny. I would not have a problem if the media held uh, the administration accountable for what they say and what they do, if they did it for everyone else. They don't. They do not hold any other uh, administration. They did not hold. They took a break for eight years when Obama was around, and then they decided they had to do their jobs again. That's ridiculous. <laughs> if they were doing their jobs for eight years when Obama was around, and they were doing the same thing now with Trump, I think half the conservatives who complain about the media would be like, that's fine. Like, we get it. <laughs> that's what your job is. But they, that's not what they do. That's exactly right. I mean, they managed 92% negativity rating in terms of media coverage of President Trump with a man with so many accomplishments. Now, I, I do want to get, by the way, to A.G. Barr for a moment. And I mean, he's been the dream as far as attorney general. Yeah, I was worried that he'd be an establishment person and he's been anything but that. And of course, now he's investigating the origins of the Russia probe and you know, James Comey and Lisa Page and Peter Strzok and all those things. And I can only imagine, you know, somebody like James Comey or maybe Loretta Lynch being led away in handcuffs. But somehow, I'm just skeptical. We never seem to see Democrats or members of the Obama administration get any kind of heat uh, when, d d despite all, all the suspicion of criminal activity. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen this time either. I think the high-level people, like you just mentioned, uh, Loretta Lynch and and uh, and and Comey and all those guys, especially Obama, Hillary, like none of those people are going to get led away in handcuffs. It's unfortunate, but they're not. I think they're going <laughs> to throw it on somebody who, a low-level staffer who did something and passed a memo along or something like that. That person is going to serve their 12 or 12 months or 18 months in prison and then come back and get a high-paying job in someone's uh, senatorial office. That, that's pretty much what's going to happen. That's I mean... <laughs> You know, I, I, I would, yeah. You know, continue. I hate to say, I, you know, it's a shame, but you're right. I mean, that's how this always seems to work. Yeah, I think that um, a lot of people are very politically connected, but I also think that there is something, I think that there's one thing that high-level politicians um, have in common, which is kind of uh, breaking away with these attacks on Trump and trying to investigate Trump or whatever. But I think there's a certain level there's a certain level of, high, uh, of politicians that say, hey, we're not going to be in power forever. Like, I don't want someone investigating me in a few years or investigating my party in a few years when they're in power. It is odd because that, I mean, Trump is the, always the exception to the rule. But it seems like they're trying to investigate Trump. They're, they're, uh, the New York, um, I think, Attorney General is like just basically saying, we're just going to investigate Trump. For what crime? I don't know. Just whatever. We're going to investigate. <laughs> like, and, and maybe because they feel secure, Democrats are going to be in, in power forever in, in New York. But they're setting a precedent that says, we don't like you, so we're going to investigate you. And we're going to find a crime. We're going to put every dollar you spent over the last 30 years under the microscope. And uh, we'll find something to destroy you with. And... That is not the way it used to be. That's the way it is with Trump. But I think that uh, when it comes to like high-level people, they don't want uh, to, it to, for it to turn around and bite them.
So and, that's why I don't think anything's going to happen with those people. Yeah, and uh, that's a great point. And you just hit it. You know, find a crime. You know, Democrats, they thought Trump had no chance. He's never going to win the primaries. And they actually were hoping he'd win the primaries because they thought Hillary would crush him. And the man has proven to be unbeatable politically. These Democrats are baffled. You know, he breaks all the rules. Everyone knows that if you tweet the things he tweets and you say the outrageous things you say and you're a racist, which I don't believe he is, then you cannot possibly win. And yet he has defied them every single time. So now plan B, the insurance policy was, well, okay, we always have in our back pocket finding a crime. And we'll use criminality, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll use impeachment as our weapon. And that's literally when you have kind of all else fails, then we're going to have to charge him with a crime. It used to be you had a crime. Now let's find the person who committed the crime. Now it's we have the bad guy that we need to defeat and need to sabotage and overthrow. So we're actually going to find the crime. So it's pretty outrageous. you know. And I agree with you that the best we can hope for is some low-level staffer who leaked something to the media you know, about President Trump, maybe about the Steele dossier. I did find it interesting that you know, A.G. Barr was interviewed by Fox News and he specified, he didn't mention too many details about what he's investigating. He did say he's looking into the Trump Tower meeting, not the Don Jr. Trump Tower meeting, but the Trump Tower uh, intel briefing where James Comey essentially told Trump about the dossier. And then a few days later, the dossier is leaked to the media. And, uh, that you know, I, I thought it was interesting. He mentioned that just several days after Jim Baker, who was the FBI counsel, actually said that he thought, and a lot of FBI officials believe James Comey was acting like J. Edgar Hoover trying to blackmail Trump with the Steele dossier. Yeah, I don't know what Comey's thinking. Like, he, he's a political actor. Um, he is obviously self-obsessed if you follow his Twitter. Um, he just likes taking pictures of himself in the woods. It's very odd. <laughs> um, but, but, but James Comey has been a political actor. I'm surprised that he got, uh, he stayed on as FBI uh, director after Trump won or Trump, Trump put him back on, even for the short period of time he was there. Um, and it's ironic because Comey is probably the one person most directly uh, related to Trump winning if you can, if you can give it to any person outside of the candidates themselves. Comey, by uh, avoiding uh, what's called the, the Hillary Clinton investigation in 2016, for, had to basically look up information uh, late. He, he released information, which is he shouldn't be doing, by the way. Um, and he released information a week before. I mean, I thank him for it, but he, right. But he, right. Uh, exactly. he shouldn't be doing he it. He should not have done um, it, but I, I'm glad he did 100%. Yeah, but and he released information like a week before, and it, co- it probably cost Hillary Clinton the election. Um, I think that what's going on at these uh, in these uh, investigations, uh, both against Trump, is is insane. But you know the fact that uh, uh, what's it called? I think it was Adam Schiff who said the cover up continues because Trump is declassifying information. Uh, on the on the Russia, <laughs> uh, the origins of the Russian investigation. Oh, so it's a it's a cover up when he's classifying certain information, and it's also a cover up when he's declassifying information. <laughs> make up your mind, like make up your mind, guys. Like it's ridiculous. And and I and I and all these people who said, well, what if? What if it's true? In in 2017. They say we have to investigate, have to assign a special prosecutor because what if the Russia collusion thing is true? And you, we, the people have to know. Well, what if it's true that the Obama administration uh, faked, uh, spied on President Trump, 
faked uh, the dossier. Uh, the, the Hillary uh, campaign faked the dossier. They were paying for this kind of thing. What if that's true? Like, <laughs> let's find out. It, it, it truly is one of the most, one of the, it would be or should be one of the biggest scandals in American history, possibly in all of history. And yet, yeah, there's, like you say, it's a distraction. This AG Barr investigation into the origins of the Russia probe. Come on, let's, let's do real business. This is the distraction. Uh, and by the way, you can, you, can never, you can never have too many pictures of James Comey in the woods, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. And I think that um, Trump was absolutely right for, for walking out of that infrastructure meeting yesterday. Um, they are spending all their time investigating him. They're hammering him. And by the way, I don't think he, he would have walked out if Nancy Pelosi didn't do a press conference right before she walked into that meeting where she said he's engaged in a cover-up. That is ridiculous. He, he should have walked out of that meeting outrageous minutes before she gets on television in front of the cameras and says that he's engaging in a cover-up then she meets with him and smiles and says oh let's work at a two trillion dollar infrastructure deal and just like sweep that aside i it's really mind-boggling i know and by the way i don't mind it because i don't want a two trillion dollar infrastructure deal i always hate it when they put a price tag on before they actually put on what they're going to do. <laughs> Great point. Right. Let's decide the money, what they're going to do, how they're going to pay for it. Those are just technicalities. Let's just decide how much we're going to spend and how great, you know, a PR opportunity this is for us. You know, and uh, I wonder, by the way, if it was a setup and we got to run in a moment, but you know, she gets, uh, like you said, holds that press conference, accuses them of a cover right before. I wonder if they're saying to themselves, you know, if we do this infrastructure deal, It'll be another win for President Trump, this bipartisan piece of legislation. It'll help him more in 2020 than it'll help the Democrats. And they decide, you know what, let's kind of try to sabotage him and make him look like he's the one backing out. They are I very think that they, yeah, I think that they're setting him up. I think that he knew something was going on. That's why he had that sign printed on his podium. Or maybe he just has those signs just like around. He's like, okay, <laughs> take that one off the wall and put it on the podium because there was no collusion, no obstruction. <laughs> um, whatever happened, I think that uh, that they're all playing political games. the The needs of the American people are far beyond uh, what they're what they're trying to do. I think the the Democratic the Democrats walking into a meeting saying, "No, we really want to do infrastructure." Yeah, okay, no, you didn't. Like you didn't. You don't care about infrastructure. You care about beating Trump, and whatever it takes to beat Trump. That's what you're going to do. Moshe Hill, really great job here. The blog is ahillwithaview.com. Moshe Hill, political writer and analyst. And thank you very much. I hope to do this again. Thank you so much.